Well, I'm very excited for this uh, next uh, three weeks. We're going to be preaching on something that is, uh, I, I believe if there's no other messages you ever heard me preach, these would be the most important I've ever preached. It's on the presence of God. Everybody say the presence of God. There's nothing like getting into the presence of God. So uh, this week, the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing this series. And I'm telling you, the presence of God will change everything. Don't you know that? The presence of God will transform every aspect and area of our lives. And I want to show you today, I want to start with uh, the question, do you want to be blessed? You know, I asked my son Aaron early this morning, I said, do you want to be blessed? And he just kind of looked at me. I said, do you want to be blessed? He felt as though I was indicting him by the question. He said, well, I'm already blessed. I said, well, I understand you're blessed. I said, I'm just asking you a question, dude. Do you want to be blessed? He said, well, yeah. I said, I hope that's the answer you want. <laughs> we, how many of you want to be blessed? I want to see a show of hands. Do you want to be blessed? Every blessing that you will ever get in your life will come only from the presence of God. Do you want to be blessed? I want to point out someone in the Old Testament that I have been studying on and looking at. I love to take people that are barely mentioned in the Bible and find out why they're mentioned in the Bible. They're not just thrown in. God didn't sit down from heaven and, oh, you know, okay, go throw that guy in there. And no, it, there's a purpose and there's a reason behind why everybody is mentioned in the Bible. And there is a lesson you're going to learn today that's going to rock your world. I'm telling you, you get ready. Hang on to your bootstraps. Poke your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm going to use a little T.D. Jakes. Amen. If you will stand uh, to, the, to your feet for the reading of God's Word, you ain't going to want to miss the next two weeks because it's going to get better and better. Second uh, Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 15 if you've been in church, you've probably seen this. You, you're familiar with it, um, this particular passage of Scripture. Don't forget version notes. How many of you use version notes? Okay, several of you do. You, use version notes. We can show you how to do that. Todd, our, our, our resident jolly green giant, is back there. Todd, everybody look back in that corner. Everybody wave at Todd. Todd, wave at everybody. Yep. Hey, Todd, just throw both hands in and go, that's me. Yeah. Look, Todd can hook you up. He can tell you how to get you version notes. But basically, they're the notes of the message. They're there for you. you can, he can show you how to do all that. And you can save it and always refer back to it. So don't forget that. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 15. I'm reading from the NIV version. If everybody's there, say a good amen. amen. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. I didn't think 30,000 men. Wow. He and all his men went to Bala. In Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name. I love that. The name of the Lord Almighty. I love it. By the name. The name of God Almighty. Who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. So the ark is always in the Old Testament representative of the presence of God. So I want you to think. Every time you hear ark, think the presence of God. Verse 3. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ao. Sons of Abinadab were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ao was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. 
The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day, said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Everybody say Obed-Edom. Now, I'm not going to tr- preach on the traditional, you know, you know they, they tried to carry the presence of God on big wheels and boards. And when you get big wheels and boards involved in churches, it messes everything up. I've heard all that stuff before. We're going to talk about Obed-Edom. Everybody say Obed-Edom. When those who were carrying the ark, the, excuse me, then the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom. Everybody say remained. remained. The presence of God remained in Obed-Edom, the Gittite's house, for three months. And what happened? And, and who? Let me tell you something. You get the presence of God in your house, it'll wreck your whole family. It'll rock your whole family's world. Oh, I'm going to preach here in a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Y'all going to preach me happy today. Get ready. Here we go. And the Lord blessed him and his what? Just his son? Just his daughter? Just his immediate family? His whole household. I'm going I'm to show you even distant relatives before this is over. You watch this now. Now, King David was told the Lord had blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because... Of the ark of God. Not because Obed-Edom was special. Not because he had the family pedigree name. Not because his daddy was so and so. The Lord blessed him. Why? Because the presence of God was in his house. My God I hadn't even started in the sermon yet. I'm about to come out of my shoes. So David went to bring up the ark of God. From the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with sounds of trumpets. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today and I thank you for what I sense already in the atmosphere. God, we have already invited your presence here and you are here. Now, God, I ask you to anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. I pray let the revelation of this word explode in us. And I pray, Father God, that you have called us just like Abraham to be blessed and to be a blessing. And all that comes only from the presence of God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, God, let this word fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Father, I pray let this word come forth now, God, and anoint this speaker for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace. I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people and say the presence of God is here. I'll say it to somebody else. Say, the presence of God is here. (laughs) David Livingstone, the uh, famous missionary to Africa, late in his life went to England for a brief visit. And the Queen of England uh, 
she honored him by having him speak to Cambridge University to the students there. If you're unfamiliar with David Livingstone, he's credited with winning Africa back in his day. And he was so much his heart was there that his wife had his body buried in England where he was from. But they buried his heart in Africa because that's where it was. He's it a tremendous missionary. If you ever study anything, he's, a, he's, he's, he's one of the fathers of modern missions. Anyways, he came before the, the students at Cambridge University and very quietly and very simply had this to say at the commencement address. Gentlemen, shall I tell you what it was that kept my resolve through all the years and the dark continent? It was the words of a gentleman. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. There's something about being in the presence of God. There's a security that comes when you know you're with Daddy. Yesterday, I had the privilege of uh, being at the theme park with uh, uh, Dwayne, Deanna Johnson, and their kids, and the Combs kids. And uh, we, there was a little ride, and Chris and Amanda's littlest girl, Trinity, said, uh, I tried to get her on a ride. She was like, no, no, I don't want any part of it. And so we're standing in line, and while we're standing there and we're talking, she comes up and she says, Pastor Dallas, she said, can I ride with you? I said, absolutely, you come on. She said, will you hold me? I said, you better believe I will. And so we got on the ride. She said, hold me now. Don't let me go. I said, I won't, baby doll. I said, we're in this together. And she smiled and had the greatest time. She wanted to experience the ride, but she wanted the comfort of having someone who was bigger than her, older than her, and so forth, to know, okay, he's here with me. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong. With coming before God in the prayer closet and say, Daddy, I just need to know that you're here. I just need to know that you've got me. I need to know you've got our family and you've got our church. Come on, shout a good amen. I, I have a question for you. Are you conscious of the presence of God in your life? Do you live in the reality of it? Do you enjoy such an experience? In verse 1 through 10 of your Bible, it says that David basically wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, back to Israel. He, God began to deal with him as he began to pray. And he said, man, we're missing something in Israel. I mean, we've whipped the world and we're, whipped, we're winning every battle. But, but I, I've got, something's not adding up. All the blessings are good, but we got to get the presence of God back. Man, there's something powerful in that. Once the, it had been captured by the Philistines in battle, and as they had it in no matter what city, you read your Bible, it will tell you that every city it went to in, in Philistia, it was killing people. Man, they, they, because the people weren't right with God. And, they're, and finally, they're just they're sending it to the next city and the next city. And finally, they got to one city, and the elders came out the gate, and they're, they're doing this number. <laughs> that box ain't coming here, elsewhere. So they sent it into Israel. And in Israel, it goes to the house of Abinadab in Gebeah for 60 years. Here's something that blew me away. You want to know a great difference? And boy, didn't Naomi preach a wonderful message on the difference with Saul and David and some of them. Listen, you want to know what the main difference was between Saul and David? 42 years King Saul was king. Never once did he go after the Ark of the Covenant. Not one time as king of Israel did he pursue the presence of God. David gets on the throne and says, you can have all the other stuff. I got to get the presence of God back in Israel. There's something to be said about King Saul's rulership that he did not want anything to do with God's presence. 
just leave it over in Abinadab's house. It'll be all right. And while David had the right right intentions, he mishandled the Ark of the Covenant. He mishandled the presence of God, and things went south. You know the story. Uzzah touches the Ark and ruins the one-man parade. This is a story on how to ruin a one-man parade. Uzzah touches the box. He's gone. Everybody's celebrating. Everybody's having a good time till Uzzah the priest drops dead. Then everybody goes home going, what just happened? And and we don't want anything to do with this box. Listen, it was just a box to them. You have to understand, Uzzah may not have been 60 years old. He may not have even ever really realized what was going on. Uzzah, Uzzah, listen, uh, David, David had never experienced the presence of God from the Ark of the Covenant before. David's not even 60 yet. He says, hey man, there's something out there missing. Don't tell me people that don't have a covenant with Jesus don't feel drawn to the presence of God for something they don't have. David was drawn to the Ark of the Covenant and in his lifetime up to this point, he had never laid eyes on it, seen it, or experienced it. It's hanging out in Abinadab's house. And I could go on. I said earlier, it was by mistake, that uh, uh, Uzzah didn't know. Uzzah didn't know. He was one of the kids of Abinadab, and he kind of got used to the presence of God. But watch this. The ark represented the presence and power of God. It was the most, most precious possession that Israel had. You've got to catch this. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the veil was torn in two. And when the veil was torn in two, we can all now enter the presence of God. The ark of God represented the presence of God in the Old Testament. Today, the temple veil is torn. We can all boldly come before the throne of grace. We can all experience the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, God is going to teach us through Obed-Edom how to experience the presence of God in a way we never have before. How many of you want to experience the presence of God? Is there anybody that's hungry for the presence of God? I didn't come to preach today to people that were kind of like, let me just get through church and go home. I came to preach to people today that say, man, I'm hungry for the presence of God. Point number one is this. You access the presence of God through obedience. Everybody say obedience. Listen. David watches Uzzah drop dead, who is a priest of God. Who has been in the presence of the ark. It was in his house. Okay, David watches this happening. And David's thinking. That thing ain't coming to my house. (laughs) If that thing's dropping dead priest. Who's been in its presence. What's it going to do to me? That box ain't coming to my house. Killing my kids. Listen I'm preaching to somebody. Evidently he didn't realize how it was supposed to be carried. And I could have a lot of fun. You don't carry the ark of God on big wheels and boards. You carry him. You, you, he carries you, right? Amen. He, we don't carry him. He feared the presence of the Lord from that day forward. And it taught him that you have to come into the presence of God with respect and with honor. You just don't flippantly walk in. You come in with a right spirit and heart to come after God. Amen. This ought to teach each of us. So, so think about some of these questions. Why have we gathered here today? Have we lived our lives this past week in a way to invite the presence of God into our home and our life? Have we prayed and sought God prior to coming to church today that he'd be in the house? Have we come early to pray and invoke and invite the presence of God to come so we can all experience his presence? Basically, David says, get this thing away from me. It ain't coming killing my family. 
It, he got afraid when he mishandled the things of God. And there are so many times in people in church that people have mishandled and abused the grace of God and things don't go well. And they say, well, I tried to serve God, but it didn't work out too well for me. So y'all can have at it, but I don't want any part of it. In the Old Testament, that's them hearing the voice of God on the mountain. They're shaking and they're terrified and their knees are knocking. And they say, Moses, you go up if you want to. I ain't going nowhere near that thing. But, but God's presence is not to be feared. So here's what happens. David looks around and he probably made a statement something like this. That thing ain't coming to my house. It's going to somebody else's house. You know, when the king says it's going to somebody else's house, it's going to somebody else's house. Now, I picture this. I picture, you know, it's like you don't want to get picked. You know, everybody's heads are down. Everybody's looking around. They're like, please not me, please not me. You talk about a prayer party. They just watched their buddy die, and now he's going, it's going to somebody else's house. They're going, oh, God, please not me, not me, not me. And he looks around, and he says, you. And all of a sudden, Obed-Edom's eyes gets big, and he starts quivering. He goes, you, it's going to your house. And I'm thinking, you know, Obed-Edom's probably thinking, great, wonderful. This thing's killing people. Now he's sitting in my house. I can't tell him, no, I'm dead. I'm dead either way. I can picture him running down the street ahead of it. And he gets to the house and he says, wife, kids, sit down. If you've never listened to me, listen to me now. They're going to bring this box in the house. And when they do, don't touch the box. And as they come approaching with this box, I know what he's doing. He's probably got flags, you know, like, a, like in the airport, you know, this way. And he's probably going, in the basement, in the basement, in the corner, throw a tarp over, get the kids off it for crying out loud. We don't want that thing coming here. Now, listen, I'm not being disrespectful to the Ark of the Covenant. I know it was the presence of God, but that's really what it was, was a box. And he's going to put the thing in the corner. Kids, if you ever go to that basement, I'm going to kill you if it doesn't kill you. Don't touch the box. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, don't touch the box. I'm afraid that too many are like David today. They've sought God in their own way. Going after him with their own desires. Serving him how they see fit. And they quit pursuing God because they have concluded it isn't worth the effort. But I want to tell you, pursuing the presence of God is worth the effort. Because when you come in the presence of God, like we're in here now, it is heaven on earth. Listen, heaven is just another city without God. What makes heaven, heaven is the presence of God. Here's the cool part. You don't have to wait till you get up there to experience heaven. You can have heaven on earth by getting into his presence. And we have access every day. Someone say amen. Some people desire the presence and power of God, but they want it on their terms. And their approach, if it doesn't go according to their plan, then they abandon pursuing God. It's like people who say, well, you know, I'll be a Christian uh, as long as I can continue to cheat on my spouse. I'll serve God as long as he gives me my three wishes like a genie and, and he doesn't interfere with my life. My life's my life. 
So what I really want, I want the blessings that can come from an intimate relationship with him. But I don't want the commitment level. I'll go to church as long as it doesn't change my lifestyle. I'll serve on the dream team as long as it doesn't take me more than 10 or 15 minutes a week. Any more than that, I don't have time. I'll, I'll go after God as long as he's like Santa Claus passing out presents. But if the road gets rocky, I'm out. See, we're no different than David so many times. We look at David and we say, man, what's wrong with you sending that Ark of the Covenant somewhere else? Don't we do the same thing with the presence of God? There are people that are not in church to this day because they said a prayer that God didn't answer for whatever reason. And now, bad God, I'm out. The ark gets put in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. Everybody say three months. You got to catch this. this is gonna, you're going you're gonna to run and, run and shout. You just, just stand up if you want. Just say, give me room. Give me room to shout. We are not given any details as to how or why Obed-Edom is chosen to house the Ark of the Covenant. Other than maybe David just said, you, I pick you. And we told the story already, probably maybe how it happened, at least in my mind. But how do we know that he was obedient? We know he was obedient because he took the presence of God in his house. Listen, he opened up his house to the Ark of God. He opened... His house to the presence of God. And you better get ready to watch what happens when he does. Just like Obed-Edom, we need to open our lives and homes. We need to make room for the presence of God. We need to fill our homes with worship and prayer and the word of God. We need to fill our jobs for him to be with us, to walk with us and to guide us and for his presence to ever be with us. To be with us with, with, with the things we watch on TV and we participate with online. We need to have him in our family. Somebody shout amen. Listen, I want to live in such a way that the presence of God comes into every aspect of my life. I want God. I want to be with God. I want to wake up in the morning and experience Him. I want just like Trinity did me yesterday. Hold me. Don't let me go. I want to be with Him. I need to be with Him. I'm different when I'm with Him. I want to... I want to commune with him in the day and I want to talk with him at night. Genesis chapter 5. I'm preaching these three verses in two weeks. You ain't going to want to miss it. Then Enoch walked with God. Man, he walked with God. Everybody say, walked with God. 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had sons and daughters, other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Everybody say, walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. And we're going to talk about that in two weeks. There's something about walking with God where we, the old nature, ceases to exist. And the new man in Christ Jesus is shining forth. Have you opened your heart, your life, and your home to the presence of God? That's what Obed-Edom did. I, I, I don't know about you, but do, do, do you have boundaries up? Do you say you can come this far, God, but no more? What might be missing from your 
Opening up your whole life to the presence. What might you be missing from opening up your whole life to the presence of God? What could you be missing out on? Man, when I was in college, I would seek God. I'm telling you, we, I, I would stay up. If, I don't care how long the day was. I, I, if, I've learned since that it's better for me personally to get up in the mornings and seek God and start my day. But then I, w- I wouldn't go to bed without, man, I'd worship. I'd put a, here's an old throw. I'd throw on some Ron Cannoli, man, and we'd have church. <laughs> I'd throw on some Ron Cannoli or some Alvin Slaughter, man, I'd have church in my living room. And I'd praise God. And I can remember I was at a time where I was like, God, just speak. Oh, God, I want to hear your word. I want to hear your voice. You ever been there before? I'm so hungry to hear from you. And so finally one day he said, okay, stop stealing cable. I don't want to hear that, God. I don't want to hear that, God. Devil, get behind me, Satan. I mean, who pays for cable anyways? We were in college in tight. We didn't have no money, so I just stole it. <laughs> I used to be a cable man. I'd go out when I wanted to watch something, and I'd hook it up, and I'd watch all the TV I want. I'd go back and undo it so they couldn't catch me. Life was great. And when I got in the presence of God, he ratted me out. Yeah. You know, I believe that's why so many people don't want to really seek the presence of God because they're afraid of what he's going to say. See, you get in the presence of God, he'll start saying, uh, you can't be cheating on your wife. Uh, you don't need to be looking at that on the internet. Uh, you don't need to be saying those kinds of words in traffic. Then, then he'll even say, uh, you see that man over there? You need to go tell him about me. <laughs> oh, sir. Jesus loves you. <laughs> Look, it gets easier the more you do it. I want, I want to tell you something. Don't fear the presence of God. Yes, I needed to quit stealing cable. I did. I wasn't willing to risk the obstacle between me and the presence of God any longer. See, when you decide to disobey God and continue on sinning, what you're saying is that sin is more important in my life than God. This sin, fill in the blank, is more meaningful and precious to me than the presence of God. I better keep preaching. Point number two is this. The presence of God will bring blessings to your life. Everybody say blessings. Verse 11. The Bible says that the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Everybody say blessed. Now listen. We don't serve God. We don't go into the presence of God to just get blessed. However, it's okay to receive blessings. Someone say a good amen. We're supposed to. Receive the benefits of the Lord. In fact, Psalm 103 says, And forget not all His benefits. There are benefits to being in the presence of God. Now, we don't do it for that, but we it's okay to receive that. I want all the Lord has to offer me. I want to experience the presence and power of God in my life. Is anybody there that can bear witness to this? 
I, I want this for my family. I want it for my church. I want it for our community. I want the presence of God in every aspect of everything we do. Having the Lord's presence in your life does not mean that you're not going to have trials and problems and issues. But it does mean you'll walk through them with Him and not be alone. Are you interested in the Lord's presence? And you need to make Him welcome in your life. Because watch verse 10 and 11. Twice the passage mentions, you're about to come unglued. You ready? That Obed-Edom is a Gittite. Very interesting that it says twice it names him being a Gittite. I'm going to teach you something from the Old Testament that's incredible. A Gittite was from the land of Gath, the land of the Philistines. Scholars agree, Obed-Edom wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile. Obed-Edom, the Philistine from Gath, got picked out by the king and took the presence of God home with him. No covenant with God. On the wrong side of the tracks, Old Testament wise. And yet when he received the presence of God in his home, guess what? (laughs) God blessed him. God blessed the Gentile with the presence of God. And caused all the Israelites with the covenant to be jealous of what he had. (laughs) There came along a man in the book of Acts by the name of Paul. They started going out to the Gentile church and reaching out to them. And they were receiving Christ to the point it was causing the Jewish people to get jealous of what the Gentiles were getting. Oh, I come to tell somebody. It doesn't matter whether you're from the wrong side of the tracks or the right side. It doesn't matter whether you were brought up in church or not. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you'll invite the presence of God in your home, God will bless you. You want to know what I believe? I can't prove this. I believe David picked out the one guy who wasn't a Jew. It was almost like David was going to say, I'm going to show you boys something. I'll put my presence in his house and I'll just mess with all of y'all. Don't you like it when God just messes with everything? When he'll just go heal the drunk person. He's like, why did God heal the drunk guy? Because he's God, amen. And he loves sick people. Why did God do this? And why did God do that? I'll tell you why. Because he wants to teach us all something. That there are no big eyes and little use. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. He made room for the presence of God in his home and his family. He may have been a Gentile. But he obviously believed in Jehovah God and became one of the few Gentiles in the Old Testament to receive the grace of God. And you know what Jesus did? When Jesus died on that cross, he included all of us. He said, everyone is welcome. As a matter of fact, look what the scripture says in Galatians. I love this. For you are all sons of God through faith in who? Christ Jesus, for all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. We're in Christ, clothed in Christ. We are children of God. Watch verse 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. Why? Because we're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Anyone who comes to the Lord in faith will receive His grace. No matter your background, no matter your mistakes, no matter how bad you've messed it all up. Why? His grace is greater. 
<laughs> Point number three, you better get ready for this. Because you're going to want the presence of God in your home like you've never seen when you see this. Point number three, the presence of God gives us influence. Watch this. In verse 12, King David decides after three months of his little pouting and temper tantrum, he decides after three months to say, hey, what's, what's, what's happening over there with that Gentile in his house? Well, David, ever since they brought the box, it's blessed him and his entire household. And it sparks a jealousy in David. David remembers three months earlier why he wanted the ark of God in his life anyways. And he says, man, we've got to get the ark back. Have you ever been around someone on fire for God? You ever, you ever been on someone around someone? They're always witnessing to others, ministering to others. They're always in worship. They don't sit with their hands in the pocket and wait for dinner. Man, they got everything they got. They're worshiping. Their hands are raised. Man, they're fired up. They're singing the song. Man, they might even get a little two-step going. They're just on fire. And you get around them and you're provoked to jealousy. You ever been there? You ever been there where you looked at somebody and said, man, I, I need to have that kind of fire. I, I need to have that kind of presence. That's what David did with Obed-Edom. I need what he's got. Whew. I'm going to preach here in just a minute. The faith and obedience of Obed-Edom challenged King David and the others. It was a challenge to them. When you get filled with the presence of God in your home, in your house, in your families, it will challenge you. It will challenge them, rather. It will challenge them and provoke them to say, man, I need what they've got. That coworker will say, I don't know what you've got, but I need it. Mark Rick, when he was head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs years ago and just on fire for God, winning players of the Lord. He was a devout Christian, done many missions trips to Honduras. When they asked him, what's the greatest? He was the offensive coordinator for Florida State, 14 years under Bobby Bowden. They said, what's the greatest thing you took out of Tallahassee, Florida? And they were expecting a football answer. And on TV right there for all of Georgia here, he said, oh, that's easy. My relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, Coach Bowden kept telling me about Christ, and I didn't want to hear it. He said, but day after day, he said, Coach Bowden's the same, and Coach Bowden's got something I don't have. Friday night before a big game, he's coming in, not rah, rah, shish, kumbah to the players. He's walking in there going, men, you need Jesus Christ. I love you all, and I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to be saved. They did a documentary. They said there's no coach in any sport of any kind around the entire world that has presented the gospel to more people than Bobby Bowden. And Coach Rick said, finally one day I came into his office, and he said, I said, how do you do, do do it? He said, how did I do what? He said, no matter what, you're the same. You've got something I don't have and I need it. He sat back and said, well, that's because I got Jesus and you need Jesus. And he said, I gave my life to Christ across the desk from him. And he said, now I'm on the other side of the desk saying, you need Jesus. Hallelujah. There's something about being on fire. There's something about having the presence of God that says to somebody else, man, I don't know what it is, but I got to have what you have. Does that move you at all? The life of Obed-Edom testified to the God he served. They looked at his life and they said, man, look what God has done in your life. I got to have that. 
It caused others to desire what Obed-Edom had. Let me ask you, do people in your home desire what you have? Do people at your work desire what you have? Do people around you desire what you have? Does the neighborhood around us desire what we as a church have? What are you reflecting? What kind of gospel do people read when they watch your life? When was the last time someone said to you, you make me want to get in the word more? Or you make me want to get closer to God? For my birthday, I, I, I loved it. Haley was home and she did like a scavenger hunt, little notes she wrote me. I still have them in my book bag. I don't, I don't ever keep them out of sight. And it, it's hit them around the kitchen area and all. And so I found all of them and I was reading through. And here's one that just blessed me to no end. Here's what my 20-year-old daughter wrote me on a little note for my birthday for me to find behind a cookbook or this, that, or the other. Quote, unquote, so many memories of me coming in the house to hear you worshiping and praying in tongues taught me the necessity of prayer you and mom both did. My God, there's something... Hear me, parents. There's something about your kid coming home and hearing you worship with all your heart and soul. There's something about your kid coming home and hearing you pray in tongues. Don't you be afraid or ashamed of speaking in tongues. I'm proud to speak in tongues. I'm proud to have the Holy Ghost pray through me. And I want to tell you something. Even though she went a little crazy in high school, I'm sure all teenagers do at some point in time or another. But now she's on fire for God. Now she's got girls from the campus coming to her room on Friday nights to worship God. And she's praying in tongues. And she's worshiping. And there's a fire inside of her. My God, we need the presence of God in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives. Wouldn't it be great if every one of us possessed the testimony that Obed-Edom did? Wouldn't it be wonderful if those around our church and us had to take notice of our relationship with Christ? What if we lived in such a way that created a desire in the hearts of others to possess what we do in Christ? How much are you reflecting Christ? We have such an opportunity, but we must welcome the presence of God. Verse 12 says, The Lord bless Obed-Edom and his entire household because of the ark. Everybody say, because of the ark. The ark of the covenant is what made the difference. Listen, as far as we know, Obed-Edom was living an ordinary life. Until the presence of God showed up. But when the presence of God came in, it caused everyone else to notice. When the presence of God began to dwell, or things began to change rapidly in just three months. David and everybody was like, I don't know what's going on, but i got to get it back. Listen, in just three months, it can happen that fast. Look, you can see it's, it's already beginning. People are lining up to drive the van and, and to go out and witness and, and, and a prayer walk. And there's all kinds of different things. God is doing a fast work. Every week, new guests are coming. Listen, those who knew Obed-Edom recognized the source of his blessing. I love this. His friends and family had to acknowledge the presence of God made a difference in his life. It is, isn't that what we should want for our lives? I want my life to bear witness to the goodness of God. I, 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 want, I want others to see the benefit of a life lived for Jesus. 
I want others to see the difference that the presence of Jesus makes. One of my prayers for me and our family and you as a church is this. God, walk with us. Talk with us. Be our best friend. Lead us. Guide us. Direct us. Shine through us. Let people not see us, but Jesus in us and through us. Let the word of God beam from our lives. Let us reflect the sun at all times. Oh, I would to God we all felt that way. The blessing of Obed-Edom rekindled a desire for the presence of God in King David's heart. Perhaps there's people that are around you that have walked away from God. Listen, you get the presence of God strong in your life, and it'll rekindle a fire in them to want God in their life again. After hearing that God blessed him, David wanted that as well. Never underestimate the power of a life lived for Christ. There's always someone watching. They are aware of our faith and watching to see what it produces. And here's the cool part. Are you ready for this? Poke your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Obed-Edom didn't do anything special. All he did was receive the presence of God in his house. You don't have to do anything special. All you have to do is welcome the presence of God into your home. That's all he did. Wow. Point number four, and I'm going to close with this. Are you ready? This is the part where you're going to shout when you see this. The presence of God can change your whole family. Let me show you a few scriptures. Are you ready? I want to show you a pedigree that's going to blow you away. After receiving the presence of God in his home, watch what God does with Obed-Edom and his family, biblically. 1 Chronicles 15, 21, and Matthiah, and a bunch of hard names, and Obed-Edom. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Jael and Azariah were to play the harps, directing a chord to Shemineth, so now they're put on the worship team. Hmm. 1 Chronicles 16, 5, Asaph, the chief, and what's next to him in rank were Zechariah and Jaziel and uh, Shemaramoth and Shemaroth, what a name, and Jehel and Mathaniah and a bunch of other hard names, Obed-Edom and Jael. They were to play the lyres and the harps. Asaph was to sound the cymbals. So they got the presence of God in their life and they went after God and all of a sudden God says, right, you know what, I'm going to put you on the worship team. Because now you know how to experience the presence of God, I'm going to cause you to lead others too. That's what this team does up here. They got the presence of God in their life all week long, and they're leading the rest of us to the presence of God. God always uses you in an area that you have figured out to have Him in that area. God said, you're used to worshiping around the presence of God. Now I'm going to put you on the team to lead others to the presence of God. I'm, I'm going to keep preaching here. You ready? First Chronicles 15, 18. Watch this. And with them, their relatives next in rank. Okay, now we're talking relatives are added to this deal. A uh, bunch of hard names, Obed, Edom, and Jael, the gatekeepers. Now God says, not only are you on the worship team, I'm going to make you a gatekeeper. A gatekeeper was someone who guarded the entrance to the city or something else. God said, you know what? You guys have welcomed my presence. I'm going to have you start guarding the temple. I'm going to make you watchmen over the temple now. It gets better. Are you ready? It gets gooder and gooder. I know that's great English right there. Poke your neighbor and say, this is getting gooder and gooder. 1 Chronicles 26, 12 through 15. I do have a master's degree. I know it's better and better, but I like gooder and gooder. Amen. 
verse 12 through 15. These divisions of the gatekeepers through their leaders had duties for ministering in the temple of the Lord. Now they're not just guarding the temple. Now they're inside the temple, uh-huh, just as their relatives had. Lots were cast for each gate according to their families, young and old alike. Verse 14 and 15, the lot for the east gate fell to Shelemiah. The lots were cast to Zechariah, wise counselor. The lot for the north gate fell to him. Watch this, a lot for the south gate fell to who? Now he's not just a gatekeeper. Now he's guarding one whole side of the temple. This gets better. Verse 24, 1 Chronicles 15. Shebaniah, Josephat, Nathaniel, Amasai, Zechariah, Benaiah, Eleazar, the priests, were to blow trumpets before the ark of God. Obed-Edom and Jehiah were doorkeepers for the ark. God said, I'll tell you what, you've welcomed my presence into every area of your life. Now not only are you a worship leader and a gatekeeper for the temple and guarding the whole south side, now I'm going to cause you and only one other man to guard my presence. Wow. Here's where you're about to shout. Verse 38. And Obed-Edom with his... How many? Obed-Edom and his three kids. Obed-Edom and his wife. Obed-Edom and his... How many? He welcomed the presence of God into his house and the dude didn't have 67 kids. He welcomed the presence of God into his home and his life. And from that point on, God said, man, you, I can trust you with my presence. I'm going to make you a worship leader. I'm going to have you guard my temple. I'm going to have you as one of only two people to guard the door to my presence, the Ark of the Covenant. And oh, by the way, because of your faithfulness, I'm going to save your whole family. All 68. Not only am I going to save all 68... Read the rest of the scripture. They were all gatekeepers. That means they didn't just profess Christ. They actually lived the life. How many of you would like to have all 68 of your relatives serving God? How many of you would like to have all your entire household serving God? Listen, they were gatekeepers. They weren't just in one day and out there. They were the real deal. Listen, your, your relationship with Almighty God can affect your entire family. I know I've showed this to you before, but we're going to close with this because it bears fitting for this sermon. Sociologist Richard Dugdale did the ancestral study in 1877 on two men. One was a criminal named Max Jukes. Criminal. Let's look at his family tree. He studied years later. Max Jukes had the family trees of 42 men in New York prison system traced back to him. Out of 1,200 of his descendants, 440 were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol. 310 were beggars and paupers. 990 prostitutes. 60 of them were thieves. 7 were murderers. 150 other convicts. 300 died prematurely. If you were to poll him and say, hey, if you continue living this way, this is your ancestry, he'd probably run to God. He'd be embarrassed if he knew we were preaching about him right now. He would be. Who wants this in their family? Nobody does. They also studied the same, in the same year a preacher named Jonathan Edwards. The great preacher and the early president of Princeton, 
who was instrumental in America's first great awakening. They did his lineage and they found to have 285 college graduates, 100 clergy or ministers, 100 lawyers, 80 public office holders, 75 military officers, 65 college professors, 60 doctors, 30 judges, 13 college professors, 3 mayors, 3 governors, 3 U.S. senators, 1 dean of a medical school, 1 dean of a law school, 1 U.S. vice president, 24 authors, and a partridge and a pear tree. One rejected the presence of God. The other one welcomed the presence of God in their home, life, and family. I have a question for you. Which lineage do you want? What a great example that can happen when you welcome the presence of God in your home and life. Do you want an Edwards legacy or a Jukes legacy? How many of you want an Obed-Edom blessing? I, I, see, I believe the average Christian is living way below their means spiritually. The presence of the Lord is everything. Will you welcome Him in your home and your life? He'll change your marriage. He'll change your family. He'll break addictions. Do you enjoy the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Or is this Sunday morning just kind of something you do? Sixty-eight of his relatives became gatekeepers. Everything God did for Obed-Edom happened after him being a Gentile, didn't even have a covenant with God, received the presence of God into his home. I have a question. That's Old Testament. What would happen now if we just simply make Jesus Christ the center of our lives and home? What will he do? Listen. Do not quit. I don't know who this is for. This is a word of prophecy. Listen, I don't know who this is for. Quit thinking my loved one will never get saved. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Acts 16, 30 and 31 says me and my whole household will be saved. Quit thinking, man, this ain't never going to work in my marriage. Liar, liar, pants on fire, you rotten devil. Don't you receive that. When you receive Jesus into your home and your heart and your life, he'll fix your marriage. He'll fix your marriage. He'll fix your life. He'll heal your body. Those are all promises for us. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you just to turn your seat into an altar. A time of prayer. If you're physically able, maybe maybe just get your knees down on the ground. and Maybe just put your elbows on the chair or your hand and just begin to cry out to God right where you're at. If you're not able to do that, just sitting right there, just close your eyes and just, and just begin to pray and say, God... I invite you into my home, into my life, into my presence. I want you in my life. I want you in my home. I want you in my heart. All the way, God. Not some of the way, all the way. All the way. I want you. Oh, just like Obed-Edom, I welcome the presence of God into my home, into my heart, and my life. Come on, begin to pray, church. Begin to pray. They're going to lead us in a song, but I want you to pray.